Hey, today we are starting Ephesians chapter 2. And it is such a beautiful introduction to chapter 2 here that Paul writes in the book of Ephesians. We're going to hit the ground running. I think you're going to get a lot out of this, okay? The Bible says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, the things that you did wrong, your way of living. You were dead in that. In which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. In other words, the way that you lived before you met Christ, you were dead in that person. You were dead spiritually. You were not yet alive. You weren't yet living because the goodness of who Christ is hadn't yet filled you for you to know the marvelous grace of living that out to the world around you. So you were dead in trying to chase your own dreams. You were dead in trying to fulfill happiness for yourself. And you were chasing every high. And you were chasing uh, every monetary thing that you thought would bring you happiness and value. But really, you were just grasping at air of things that would never satisfy you. Nothing strong enough to hang on to, to sustain you and to fulfill you. You were dead in that. You weren't even yet living, and you didn't even know it. And that's how he introduces this thing. I mean, what an encouragement that he introduces this little passage. And it makes me think, though, I wonder how many times in your life and in my life do we chase things that just don't matter? That's kind of where I want to go with this today, and I think that's where Paul was going when he wrote this section of Ephesians, this beginning of chapter 2. And we're going to look at like the first nine verses or so. Um, but this is just to set us up and to get us talking about it. Have you ever felt like in life you were grasping at things that you thought would make you happy? And then when you got them, you finally caught up to them. You finally got to hold that thing you were chasing. And it just didn't seem to do the trick. And now you want something more. I think that's the case for all of us, especially if you're chasing something today. If there's something that you're running after the reason you're running after it is because the last thing you were running after did not fulfill you and make you happy, did not fulfill you to the fullest the way that you thought it would, or you would not need to chase after something else today. Oftentimes it's that way with money. We think if I can just make this much a year, so we get that much a year, and now the number's higher. If we can just make that much more, I can have this extra thing, or I could do these extra things. Um, I could give that much more. Maybe it's a noble cause, but it's always more. And we go to grasp these things that we think can fulfill us, and they don't. Maybe it's a person. Maybe you'd be chasing that boy all over town, and you finally got him and realized he was a jerk. And now you got to go chase another one. Or maybe you thought she was, if yeah, I could date her, if I could just. And then you come to realize that your fulfillment can only be found in God. And oftentimes we try to use everything else around us to fulfill things in us that only God can fulfill. Because only God can give us true joy and true happiness. And when we find our fulfillment in him, see, what's interesting about that is we have to be good with us in order to be able to bring happiness to other people. And we have to be good with us. And when we're good with us, I think that's when we discover who God is because God's image is in all of us. So when we find fulfillment in who God has created us to be, and we can do that when we find joy in him. So when we find comfort and we find a peace in who God is that is not dependent upon us, our performance, what we have, what we don't have, who we have, who we don't have, when we find peace and just in God and his 
taking care of us, when we find fulfillment in who he is in life, we then can come to peace with ourselves and who we were meant to be in life. And when we come to know the peace of ourselves because we have found peace with God, now we have that peace to be able to give to other people. Now we have that fulfillment to be able to share with other people. Now we can go in relationship with somebody else. And it's not about them fulfilling us. It's about us being able to share joy together, the joy that we have both found in ourselves because we have found it in God. Same way with money. Money is not something to fulfill you. It's simply a tool that you can use to bless other people around you, to take your now already fulfilled life and to do some extra things with it. It's all about how you approach it, but you can only approach it in the right way if you are coming from the right place, the place where you have found fulfillment in who God is. See, because there was a different way of living, and that way of living was to chase every little thing. If I can just get that degree, and maybe we chase education. There's nothing wrong with education. But when we chase it to fulfill us or to accomplish something that we think will fulfill us, it will always leave us empty-handed. If I can just get that much money and it leaves us empty-handed when we get it. If I can just have that person or someone like that and then it leaves us empty-handed when we get them. If I could drive that car. If I could do that thing. If I could have this many followers online, I could, I, I could do this. And, it, and we get there and it leaves us empty-handed. I could get this many likes, this many comments. If I can make that person mad, whatever it might be, it leaves us empty-handed. All the achievements, all of the stuff, it just leaves us empty. And we used to live that way. That's called. That's what Paul's referring to as we were dead in that. We were dead in our wrongdoings. We were dead in our pursuit of worldly things. We were dead in our pursuit of trying to be all to, to ourselves and to everybody and to find fulfillment in who we are when really it's all in God. And really, we didn't know, but we weren't even yet living. We were just dead, walking dead, and we were dead in that way of thinking, dead in that human nature that opposes who God is. And he says this, he says, we, this is verse three, we too all previously lived among, among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our, of our flesh and thoughts. In other words, we did whatever felt good at the time. If it felt good, we're going to do it. If it sounds good, we're going to do it. If it's just fun, if it's, it's all about the moment. And if it's fun for the moment, that's called living for the moment. Now, I believe you should live in every moment, but you should not live for every moment. Don't live for now. Be present but life is bigger than this moment, yet this moment is all you have. So although you live in the moment, although I live in every moment, I don't live for every moment. See, I'm living for eternity. I'm living for a story that's way bigger than this moment. However, in order to get to be able to live for the story that's way bigger than this moment, I have to be fully present in this moment. And they're different. See, one tells me where to look for the presence of God in this moment. The other one tells me how I can be, how I can fulfill all of my desires in this moment. And it's not that maybe my desires are bad. It's just that I want my desires to live and I want them to be fulfilled beyond this moment, not just in this moment, because it leads to bad decision-making when I live for this moment instead of in this moment. When I live in this moment, I, have, I, I, I live in a way that I am present. When I live in the moment, I am present. I have presence. When I live for the moment, I got problems. <laughs> I'm going to have big problems. 
And that's what is the result of living for this moment, is because I do whatever satisfies me now, and I end up sacrificing what I want most for what I want now. And that's never good. If you know the story of Jacob and Esau in the Bible, if you don't, Google it. Great little story. How Esau sacrificed his birthright, what he wanted most for what he wanted now. He was hungry, and he took a bowl of soup and traded his inheritance for it. He traded what he wanted most for what he wanted now. And that's what happens when you live for the moment. But God has called us to live in every moment, present, so that his presence could be present in every moment through our lives. When we live in every moment. And, and, and that's what Paul's explaining here. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our, of our flesh and our thoughts. And we were by nature under wrath as the others were also. So check this out. What do you, I love the beginning of that. What he's saying is we too previously lived among them. If you follow God, you follow Jesus today, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me know that there is no other way for you to live than in empathy toward other people. I'm talking about the people that don't look like you. I'm talking about people that don't vote like you. I'm talking about the people that don't think like you. They don't love like you. They don't, they don't do life like you. They're different from you. You may not agree with a thing they do, but you have to live empathetically toward them. You need to be willing to lay down your life for them because Jesus did, and you're following his example. So you need to be ready to lay down your preferences, ready to lay down your life for them. If you're following Jesus, that is. And if you're a Jesus follower, what you need to know today is you can't get up on your high horse because now you think, keyword think, you got it all together because you don't. But even if you are doing better than you were and you realize you used to live that way, you got to understand we all used to be that way. We all, you have to have patience for people because we all were there. If you follow Jesus, there, there was a time where you weren't following Jesus. There was a time where maybe today you feel like you're fulfilled by who God is so you can live your best life and, and, and give it toward other people. There was a day where you did not do that. We all were living that way. Every one of us. And remember that we are all, all human, all made in the image of God. There is no exception to that. And so therefore, we have to have grace for all of humanity. And there is no exception to that. And so realize, remember where you came from before you start putting the Bible over other people's heads. Before you start taking your understanding of God and pushing it on everybody else. Remember where you came from. And remember the grace that you also needed and still need. To not just get where you are today, but to maintain where you are today. And it's all because of the grace of God. It has nothing to do with your goodness. has nothing to do with your hard work. has everything to do with God's grace giving you the ability to see a different picture than what was put in front of you. Everything to do with God. And so he goes on in verse 4. He says, but God, I love that man. I should call this sermon God's big but, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I did preach it one time and I called it that. God's big, but why? Because he's talking about how we were dead in our sins and we lived this way and there was no hope and it was doom and gloom and everything was going wrong for us and, and we had nowhere to go but up because it was just, we were rock bottom and we were just living in this cycle, this whirlwind of trying to please ourselves and it just didn't work and so we tried to find a fulfillment in everything in the world and, and, and then in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our messy story, in the middle of all of our worst moments, but God, he steps, mm, he steps in the middle of your mess and declares a miracle and turns your mess into a masterpiece because that's what he does. And he specializes in screw ups, thank God. And he steps into your mess and here and he just takes his butt, just backs it up in there and says, but God, but God, 
I was living, I was living for myself and I was crashing and burning, but God, but God stepped in and did what he does and always comes through. About to preach and tell you, there have been times in my life and they happened very recently as well. I'm not talking like just before we moved to the coast or moved to Carolina. And if you don't know that story, you can look it up on YouTube, but looking at how we moved and transitioned from a very successful church plant and passed it on and then started the ministry and just we all of a sudden everything fell through financially for us for like being able to get a house and God came through. But even beyond that being here, some other things that were really stable for us just shifted, shifted, and so much so that we were like, what in the world? And God just lands himself, but God steps in and lands himself in the middle with opportunities that... that you never would have seen doors that opened that you would have walked right by, not even realized it was a door. If some th other things hadn't had fallen apart, it's not that the door wasn't there. It's that God just does. He steps in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your story, and but God enters. So today I want you to know no matter what life you're living, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what story you find yourself in, no matter how you feel, no matter what your past has looked like, I want you to know, I want you to hear me, that God is going to step into the middle of your situation every time on time. And if you don't know it, you're not looking for him because in the middle of your mess today, I promise you, in the middle of any situation, but God. What's up, everybody? Make sure you hit the share button and share it with your friends. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity to Fresh Faith. Your financial partnership helps us take the message and the hope of Jesus to every corner of the planet. When you donate to Fresh Faith, you are helping people meet Jesus for the first time. You're also helping people grow spiritually in their faith. And you're helping give free resources to local churches to help make a difference in communities, both spiritually, practically, and digitally. We want to invite you right now to go to freshfaith.org and donate so that you can help us change the world because together we are changing the world. All right, welcome back. Remember, it's, we were talking about but God. But God, who is rich, and we talked about how dead we were, how it wasn't going to satisfy us, but God inserts himself. The God who is rich in mercy. Oh, thank God he's rich in mercy. Because I don't know about you. I don't know about me. I need a whole mess of mercy in my life. God is rich in mercy toward you today. You can do no amount of wrong to overtake the amount of mercy that God has heading your way. He is rich in mercy. And I hear you, right? You're like, I'm rich in wrong. Me too. We're all rich in wrong, but God is rich in mercy and his mercy overtakes our wrong and he can take every wrong and turn it to serve his greater purpose. I feel like I got preached so good about that right now. How even the mistakes you've made in your past, God will insert himself into and he will turn it and make it something more beautiful that can be used for something greater that you never even thought possible had you not messed up. It's not that he needed to mess up to make your life a masterpiece, but he will take every mess up and turn it into something greater than you ever thought possible in your life to serve his purpose. So, but God, whoo, I'm telling you what, I'm preaching, 
a lot. I got to keep reading on or I'm going to stop and keep preaching. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love he had for us. Preach again. He's not rich in mercy because you got it all together. He's not rich in mercy because you believed the right things. He's not rich in mercy because you look the right part. He's not rich in mercy because you got the right job. He's not rich in mercy because you said less four-letter words today than you did yesterday. He's not rich in mercy because you're perfect. He's not rich in mercy because mercy because you're flawless. He's not rich in mercy because of anything that you've done. It's only because of his great love that he's rich in mercy. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. And we think that everything that happens to us is based on our performance in life. And, and, and when we come to that conclusion, we are now looking to ourselves for, for, for fulfillment, for perfection, for success. When the only measure of success that we could ever have and the only satisfaction we will ever get and the only thing that we could ever be approved for is God's love for us. Not because of us. We are simply approved because God loves us, not because we love him. We love him because he loves us. It is his love that is the reason he is rich in mercy towards us. It is all his doing and nothing on you. Today, you have my permission to take the day off. You've got my permission to take the week off. You got my permission to take the month, the year. The, you, have the, you can retire spiritually today. And you can rest in knowing that God loves you no matter what, that God has a plan for you no matter what, that you just get to rest in who he is. And it's not something you can earn. It's just something you can let overtake you. And God will do something beautiful with your life the moment you give it to him and stop trying to do everything on your own. You can't earn it. It's a gift from God. It's because of his great love he had for us. He made us alive. Remember, we were dead in our trespasses, he said in the beginning. He made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in, in our trespasses. He didn't make us alive because we woke ourselves up and started following all the rules and started believing the right things and started wearing the right t-shirts and started going to church and started giving to the community and, and the offering plate. That, that's not... Why? That's not why here that we see that now he made us alive. No, no, no. It says while we were dead in our trespasses. He comes in and inserts himself, but God inserts himself in the middle of our story, in the middle of our darkest hour, and turns all of our grunge into greatness because of his grace. Not because we got it right or we decided to get it right, because even in the middle of our dead life, he steps in and wakes us up to be alive again. He gives us life despite our deadness. He gives us life in the middle of his deadness. Elsewhere in scripture, it, it describes it this way. While we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us like, we're going to get it all right. It's all going to be good and great. He died for us at our worst so that he could give us our best. And today, if you are a Christ follower, your best is still ahead of you because Christ is in you. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. And it goes on and he says, you are saved by grace. Now, that word saved, it's not something that means you're being saved 
from something forward. So you've got to understand this word. It's not looking forward. It's looking backward. It's looking inward. It's not saying you're saved from wrath to come. You're saved from something terrible in the future. We're going to save you from that. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about death to life. You were saved. You were revived. You were dead, but now you're living. And that's what he means by saved. You're saved. You're saved from death to life. What he's already just talked about, spiritually being alive now. You were rescued. You were saved in the middle of your mess. How? By God's grace. Not by your greatness, but by God's grace. By his mercy. You can't do it. He just says it 50 times different ways right here. You can't do it. It's not about you. You can't do it. It's not about you. You can't do it. It's not about you. It's all about God. You can't do it. It ain't about you. You can't do it. It's not about you. You can't do it. It's not about you. It's all about God. I feel like I can make a song and we could go good with it. But it's not about you. You need to sing it to yourself. I want you to sing this in the mirror to yourself. If you're old and white, you do your best to get a little rhythm, okay? And you just look at yourself in the mirror anytime that you think you are feeling bad and it has something to do with you. Or when you're feeling great and it has something to do with you. Or you're feeling like anything, like your performance is how God is looking at you today. Because I want you to wake up and I want you to look yourself in the mirror and you just say, it's not about me. It's all about God. It's not about me. It's all about God. It's not about me. It's all about God. And every single time you need to remind yourself that God never loved you because of you. He loved you for free. Not because of what you did. Not because of what you accomplished. Not because of what you believed. He loved you before you even existed because you were made in his image. God loves you because he loves you, not because you earned it, not because you got it right. He loves you whether you get it right or you get it wrong. He loves you whether you believe in him or you don't believe in him. He loves you whether or not you ever choose to love him back. God is for you, not against you. It is by his grace that we are saved. And he goes on and he says, he also raises us up with Christ and seats us with Christ in the heavens. So he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, not because of us, but because of Christ, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Now we get it. God loves us through Christ. See, it is that Christ is in us, and it is that his sacrifice paved the way for God's love to infiltrate us. And now God loves us through Christ. There's only one way to experience God, and it's through Christ. That doesn't mean that that's on me. That's on him. In other words, it's not telling you how to get from here to there. It's telling you how God went from there to here. Which means... If someone else has experienced God, and they don't even know the name Jesus, make no mistake about it, it was because through Jesus, there was a path formed from God to humanity that humanity could never form from humanity to God. God did the hard work. He laid the bridge, and the bridge has been laid, and it always crosses over who Jesus is. It always crosses over the cross, and it has nothing to do with how we approach God. It has everything to do with how God approached us. You don't even have to know the story to get it right today for God to love you. It is through Christ that he loves you, and there's nothing you have to do to earn that 
today. You just let it wash over you through receiving that today. And then it says this. It says, for you are saved. In other words, made pass from death to life spiritually. You are saved by grace through faith. It is through faith. It is by grace. Grace made a way. And the way grace made a way is through faith. Meaning that God, there, is, there are traces of God, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. There are things working in and around you that is God working on your behalf that you don't even know or see about. But knowing that and understanding that doesn't mean you even have to believe that. Just know that it is, and it's by his grace that that's taking place. Not because of your belief, but because of his grace through those invisible things that are real called faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not of works, so that no one can boast. In other words, if there's something you could earn, then you could be more loved by God than me. But what he's saying is no one's going to boast about this. No one earned their way here. All of humanity, Billy Graham and you, Billy Graham and me, Peter the disciple and me. Think of the best, think of the worst, okay? All, the, all of humanity. All of, all of humanity. It is, we all came to God the same way. Rather, God came to us the same way. And we all are in need of the same grace. Not of ourselves. It's only a gift from God that can only be received. Not of works, because there would be boasting. And he goes on, and here's what he says. This is the beautiful part, right? We often stop there. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I learned that when I was a little kid in something, a program on Wednesday nights called Awanas. Approved workmen are not ashamed. Awanas. Anyway, for, we'll, we'll cut that out maybe. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Awanas, I learned that verse, and we stopped. The next one is amazing. Listen to this. For we are his workmanship. Mm, this is so good. You need to know this today. I want you to read this and I want you to look at yourself in the mirror anytime you struggle. And I want you to understand something. I want you to put your name in for Aaron, for you. I want you to look in the mirror and say you, for you, and talk to yourself, for you are God's workmanship. Now, when you craft something, when you make something with your hands, that's called workmanship. And, it, and, and the word refers to an expert, someone who has a craft who is the expert in that craft. Every cut has a purpose. Every molding has an intention for the final design so that it can be used for the purpose of which the craftsman is making this craftsmanship. You are God's workmanship. You are the beauty of his work. Ready? You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Remember we talked last week in, our, in the previous session about how Christ, who was the creative word of God, who created everything, you were created in Christ. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. But why? This is the big question. Why am I here? Watch. For good works, which God prepared ahead of, ahead of time for us to do. Isn't that beautiful? You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before time for us to do. In other words, listen to me today. The hope of the world 
God crafted into your soul, into your niche, into your personality to give hope to someone else around you today. The purpose of your life is to do good, to do good to those around you, to be God on behalf of God toward humanity, to be an ambassador of God to humanity. And what that means is not standing up and saying you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. It's standing up and saying you're loved, you're loved, and you're loved. That God's grace covers even you. God's grace covers so much more than you. And I don't point fingers. I just open arms. That is the type of ambassadorship that we are to be to the world today. That is the type of person and the representative that God has placed you to be on this planet for this time and this culture for this season, for this reason. And that is so that you can go do good and be good on his behalf to the world around you. Maybe, just maybe, if we live in such a way as that, and we begin to just point around and say, you're loved and 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 you're loved, that maybe someone else will come to experience a little bit of heaven on earth, a little bit of God in their hearts through his giving of himself through us. That's, that's your challenge this week. If you're down and you need to know, hey, God's going to insert himself into your story. Or maybe you just need some encouragement and you need to remind yourself. Don't get down on yourself. Look at yourself. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And now that you know God loves you and you're a child of king and you, you have a Know that God just doesn't want you to know that you're loved. He wants you to know that you've got a purpose. You were created and you're his workmanship in Christ Jesus to do what? To go point your finger at every person you see who's living and breathing and say, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. Be blessed today. I'll see you next time.